0: So with that in mind, I have three points for you this morning, and the first one comes from Habakkuk's first complaint and God's first response, and it's this: that just because we can't see it doesn't mean God isn't working. Habakkuk 1, two through four. This is Habakkuk speaking. "O oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? or cry to you violence and you will not save." Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Right away, when we read those words, we can see how frustrated and angry the prophet is as he cries out, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear. And now I just want to point out that this isn't necessarily a bad thing Habakkuk's doing. In fact, the expression how long, it's very it's a very common form of complaint in scripture, and especially if you have spent any time in the Psalms, it's a very common form of complaint in the Psalms. In fact, look at Psalm 13.1. It says, How long, O Lord? This is David, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Or then in Psalm 89, 46, How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? This is a normal way that people in Scripture would cry out to God. And so God isn't mad that Habakkuk is doing this. And just as a side note, it's okay for you to do this. If you're angry, if you're frustrated with God, Like it is okay and good for you to cry out to him. He can handle all of our emotions, and he even calls us. He says, yes, cry out to me. Psalm 34, 6, The poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. And for Habakkuk, he is crying out to God because, again, he's asking God, like, God, you need to do something. There is so much evil in Judah. I need you to move. And now we don't know exactly all the details of what's happening. We don't, there is not a lot in Scripture, particularly if this is in the reign of Jehoiakim, there is not a lot in Scripture that particularly looks at his reign in exactly what is happening. But we do know this from 2 Kings 23-37. And he, this is Jehoiakim, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his fathers had done. And according to Habakkuk, in 1, 2 through 4, this included violence. This included destruction and persecution of the righteous by those who are wicked. But even though he's crying out to God, he's asking God for help. He's feeling like, God, you're not doing anything. Either he's just sitting idly by and watching these evils happen, according to verse 3, or... Or worse yet, his law, his very words, are paralyzed, according to verse 4, which means that God's very words and law, they can't do anything. Because Habakkuk's looking around him, and he's looking at what's happening, and he's like, nothing's happening. So God's words must not be powerful. must be paralyzed. Man, we can really feel, just in these few verses, that all that anger and frustration and angst, in hopelessness he's looked at his land he's looked at his kinsmen he's looked at all that's happening and he's basically said there's no hope nothing's going to change because god isn't doing anything have you ever said that have you ever felt that just deep in your soul Maybe you've been dealing with the same sin issue for a very long time and you feel like, this is never going to change. I'm never going to overcome it. There are problems in your marriage that have persisted for so many years that you believe that they're beyond repair. For whatever reason, you're someone who has to bear the burden of living with chronic health issues, and you wonder at times, like Job, why was I born? Maybe you're like me, and you have to battle consistent and nagging bouts of anxiety. Maybe for others of you, maybe you're dealing with depression, and you sit back and you ask God, like, is this what it really means to be fearfully and wonderfully made? As simply as it's been brought up in previous weeks, you watch the news, you read the articles on the internet, you see what's trending on Google or on Twitter, or I guess it's called X now. And you're confronted by story after story of immorality and murder and violence and drug overdoses and death, which leave you feeling hollow and scared and hopeless. And you ask that question, God, where are you? Like in all of this stuff, where are you? And if any of these descriptions fit you and where you're at right now, I do want to encourage you. Don't lose hope. Because even though we can't feel it, even though at times we can't see it, God is doing something. He is doing a work in our situation and in our world that is far greater than we could ever imagine. Look at these words. This is God's response to Habakkuk. In Habakkuk 1, 5 and 6, God says, Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breath of the earth to cease dwellings not their own. This is God's way of saying to Habakkuk, look, I know you're frustrated. I know that it looks like evil is running rampant in Judah. And I know that you feel hopeless. But stop. Look outside of the nation. Look outside of your people because I have heard your cries for help. And I'm about to do something that's going to blow your mind. And that's exactly what he does. Because God gives him an answer that Habakkuk never would have thought possible. God is going to deal with the wickedness in Judah. But he is going to do it by bringing the evil Chaldeans. And if you don't know who the Chaldeans are, they're the Babylonians. It's another basically term to describe the Babylonians. And he's going to bring them to judge and overthrow Judah. And now I realize, just in saying that, there are a lot of questions about, like, why would God do it that way? And we're going to try to deal with those probably, I will say, just a little bit in the next point. But the important point here is that just because Habakkuk couldn't see God moving doesn't mean he wasn't working. For God already had an an astounding and unbelievable plan that he was bringing about so so that the wicked amongst his people would be dealt with. And I want to encourage each one of us this morning. Don't lose hope. Just because you can't see God moving doesn't mean that he doesn't have a plan. Instead, believe that he is working something in his timing for your good that is beyond your wildest imagination. As he says through Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Our second point, just because we don't understand doesn't mean that God has failed. Habakkuk 1, 12 through 13, this is his second complaint now, and he says, Are you not from everlasting? O Lord, my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallow up the, the, the man more righteous than he? So it might be easy to assume at this point that Habakkuk should be happy, right? He wanted God to do something about the evil in Judah, and God responded and said, hey, I've got it. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to destroy those evil people. I know you're frustrated, I'm doing something. But instead, these verses make it clear that God's answers didn't help. In fact, it made Habakkuk's frustration and anger with God so much worse that it caused him to question if God is even God, and if God is good. You see, Habakkuk, for sure, yes, he wanted God to deal with this evil in Judah, and he got that. But what he isn't happy about And what he can't comprehend is how God decided to do it. God's great, his wondrous, and awe-inspiring plan was to bring the Babylonians, who by far at that time are the most evil nation around. And he's going to bring them into Judah to judge and destroy his people. Can you imagine how Habakkuk felt when he heard that answer? Like, oh. God's answering. And then he hears it. Oh, really? That's what you got? How deflated and confused and lost he must have been. Think about it this way. A friend of yours comes to you and they're like, Hey, I know that you're stressing out about money problems. I know that things are tight right now, but I've got a solution. You're going to love it. I have signed you up to get a kidney removed so you can sell it for medical research. And you'd be like, you signed me up for what? You'd be like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And when Habakkuk hears what God is doing, his brain short circuits and he begins to unload on god and i'm just going to paraphrase these verses but this is in essence what he goes on to say in verses 12 and 13 he says what are you talking about god i wanted you to deal with the evil in judah and not destroy your people these people are truly evil how can you even look upon the babylonians we're more righteous than these traitors and genocidal maniacs and yet you're going to use them to destroy us How can you even be a holy God if that is true? How can you even be good? Can you relate to that? There are times in our life when we pray and we pray and we pray only to get the answers that we feel are unfair. And unjust. or we feel like we've been doing all the right things. And yet things still end up going badly. We pray for our kids' salvation. We feel like we've raised them in the way that they should go. And yet they walk away from the Lord. We work our whole lives believing we've been faithful to God. And that he's going to take care of us only to find out that in retirement we don't have enough. Thinking about what I mentioned earlier, you pray for a work of miracle, like God for you to do an amazing miracle in your marriage, only to find out that a spouse has been unfaithful. You ask God to heal you of your physical issues, but the only option out there is going to cost you thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars you don't have. And what about this past Monday? People were praying and praying for decades for God to wake up our nation so that they would turn to Him. And then 22 years ago, this past Monday, September 11th, 2001, thousands of Americans lost their lives as as terrorists crashed planes into the Twin Towers. And like Habakkuk, we can find ourselves in a place of freakout where we say to God, We don't understand what you're doing. How can you be God if this is what you're allowing to happen? And once again, I want to remind you, if you feel this way, if that's where your heart is at, you can be honest with God. He can and will lovingly and patiently handle your anger and your frustration and your confusion because this is exactly what he does with Habakkuk. Habakkuk two, he says, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. I know you're confused, Habakkuk. I know it seems like I've made a mistake or I've failed, but I haven't. And to help you understand that I haven't, I'm giving you a vision. It's a vision that will help Habakkuk make sense of what God is doing, and it's a vision that that he must write down on these stone tablets so that the rest of God's people will understand what God is about to do. But instead of jumping right into the vision, God makes a qualifying statement that I believe that Habakkuk needed and that I believe many of us need in the midst of the confusion in our lives. And he says, this is why I separated out these verses, he says in 2.3, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Meaning that I want you to know, Habakkuk, that I'm what I'm about to tell you, it's going to happen. It has an appointed time, and it's coming. But I know that you want it right now. Right, I know that you want it right now, but you need to wait. Even if you can't see it right away, even if it feels like I'm being slow, I am coming to do something. In and through your marriage, through your health issues, through your physical and mental issues, I will do something. I will move both for my glory as your God and for your good My people. And in Habakkuk's situation, as he was confused, as he's struggling with the reality of this evil nation coming and his people being destroyed, God showed him that he was going to do the same thing. He was going to move. As it says in Habakkuk 2, next slide here, 2, 4 through 8, and then in verse 14, it says, Behold, his soul is puffed up, It is not upright within him. And he's he's talking about Babylon. But the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, a wine is a traitor and an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he is never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects collects as his own all peoples. Shall not all these take up their taunts against him with scoffing and riddles for him and say... Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own, for how, for how long, and loads himself with pledges. Will not your debtors suddenly arise, and those awake who will make you tremble? Then you will be spoiled for them, because you have plundered many nations, and the remnant of the people shall plunder you. For the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. And then in verse 14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. To sum up these verses, God is moving in Habakkuk's time. And he is, yes, he's going to judge the wickedness in Judah, but he's also going to judge the wickedness in Babylon. All that these Babylonians trust in, their, their greed, their possessions, their ability to take over nations is going to turn against them. And they're going to be plundered and destroyed. And to make sure that Habakkuk understood that God was going to fulfill this vision, he makes it clear that he is doing all of this. All of this as part of his greater plan, as it says in verse 14, to fill the earth with the knowledge of his glory for us today that verse should resonate in our hearts because as New Testament Christians we know the end of the story that Habakkuk couldn't see that God through Christ he is coming back the earth will be renewed and we as his people we will worship him as heirs of a joy filled and eternal inheritance Again, look at these beautiful verses out of the book of Revelation. I love these. Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So even though, even though you may feel confused, even though you may not understand what God is doing in your life at this moment, I encourage you, take heart this morning. Do not lose hope. But instead, even if it takes time, even if it looks different than you expected, God is doing something in your circumstances. Right now. He is working. He is moving now. And he is doing something that is for your good and is part of his grand and amazing plan that ultimately is going to culminate when Christ returns and all creation, including you and I, worships him. And so, then, if that is true, how do we respond? How do we endure when things feel so hard? And how do we endure when we're waiting on God for days and months and for many for years? And the answer from the book of Habakkuk is this. It's our last point for this morning. That we must live by faith in the past, present, and future faithfulness of God. Habakkuk 3.2 says this. And this is Habakkuk's prayer now. He says, O oh Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O oh Lord, do I fear? In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. So the prophet finally has his answer. Even though it's not going to be easy, God is going to deal with the wickedness of Judah. And he's going to do it. By bringing the Babylonians, but don't worry, God says they will also be destroyed. However, my people, my remnant, the righteous, as it says back in two four, will live by faith. And in response, Habakkuk writes this beautiful, it's actually a song prayer. And you'll notice if you look at Habakkuk 3 at the end of it, there's a little inscription that says, to the choir master, and it says, with the stringed instrument. So this was a, this was a song prayer, like a, like a psalm. And I believe that it's very instructive for us as we think about how to live by faith in this fallen world. And it begins with Habakkuk telling God that he has heard a report about him. And the report that he's heard, it actually becomes the content of verses 3 through 15. And I'm not going to read 3 through 15 for you, but you can look at at, at all what's there. Uh, where, Where Habakkuk, in a very brief form, he recounts all of the mighty things that God has done in the past. Things like his appearing on Sinai in verses 3 and 4. The exodus from Egypt in verse 5. The Red Sea in verses 14 and 15. His defeat of Cush and Midian in verse 7. God's control of nature in verses 6, 8, and 10. And God making the sun stand still for Joshua in Joshua 10. and That's in verse 11 of chapter 3. And in response to God's past faithfulness, Habakkuk asks. He asks that God would revive those works today. Meaning that he sees how God has worked and been faithful to his people in the past. And therefore, in faith, he asks for God to work and be faithful to his people in the present. I don't know about you, but that's very helpful to me. There's so many ways that God has been faithful to me in the past. And yet, I don't know if you are like me, but I, um, I kind of have amnesia a little bit. That's probably the best way to say it, because I so easily forget those things. Just the mere fact that I'm standing here today, that God did a work to open my eyes to even believe in him, when in fact, I should have died of a heart defect at nine years old. That should have happened. But I so easily forget. And yet God, through Habakkuk, is calling us to remember. To remember his his past faithfulness to his people in Scripture, right? As we read Scripture, we see how God has been faithful yesterday, today, and then, of course, even tomorrow. But also to remember his past faithfulness to each one of us throughout our lives. A faithfulness that isn't built on our goodness or our own being worthy of it, but a faithfulness that is built on the promise that you and I are beloved children through the precious blood of Christ. Look at me at these verses. John 1, verses 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And then 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful, by whom you were called into, fellowship, into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we can trust that the same God who called us his children and has been wholly faithful to us in the past is the same God who is and will be faithful to us today. But Habakkuk doesn't stop there, because he also remembers two things, and two things that God said to him in chapter 2, and they're these. Again, Habakkuk 2, 4, the second half, and then verse 14, but the righteous, again, shall live by faith. And then in verse 14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That God is not only going to sustain and be faithful to his people today, but he is going to sustain them, protect them, and keep them into the future. How long into the future? Well, we know. right? Verse 14, Until the great day when his kingdom has fully and wholly invaded and renewed his creation, the glorious day when Christ returns. to all those who are his people, he says, trust me, believe that I will do these things. Live by faith. Now, as a side note, again, God's faithfulness, and I think sometimes we get this confused, God's faithfulness does not mean that we're going to have a perfect life. It doesn't mean that you're going to live to 100, that you're going to have perfect health, perfect wealth, all of those things. doesn't mean that. Because we know that we live in a fallen world. Our bodies break down. Bad things happen. We die physically. And for some of us, unfortunately, that's sooner rather than later. But we have the same hope that Abakkuk had, but only had a glimpse of. And it's the hope that God will work for our good and that he will sustain us in faith until that day when we are with him forever. And we will receive the full life and inheritance that he has promised. And I love these verses. We just talked about this in men's ministry yesterday out of First Peter. First Peter 1, uh, three to, through 3-5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, again, this is so beautiful, to an inheritance that is imperishable, un- undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And even though Habakkuk, we have these promises Again, they're so clear because God has made them clear through Christ. But Habakkuk only saw a glimpse of them. And yet even though he could only faintly understand these promises, he can now confidently praise God. And he says in Habakkuk three seventeen through 19, and this is, I've got to be honest, I don't know that, I, that my heart sometimes can genuinely pray this prayer. on my high places. Habakkuk is saying, I know it's gonna be hard, God. I know that our land is gonna be destroyed. Just stop right there. Like we have no we have no category for that. I know it's gonna be hard. I know our land's gonna be destroyed. Then he says, I understand that you're doing something that is greater than what I can see right now. I know that you've promised that you're going to sustain me and that you're going to work for my good and the good of your people as you work out this cosmic plan. So I will trust in you. I will rejoice in you, the God of my salvation, even when I can't see it. Now, I don't know, and I feel this way whenever I get up here, that I I, I have no clue. I know some of the things, but I have no clue what all of you are dealing with. I can't comprehend the reality of your hurt and your frustration, and maybe for some of you, how long you've been walking in what feels like darkness. But I do know that we serve a God who can handle our hearts. And though he may feel far off, if you are his child this morning through the precious blood of Christ, I want to encourage you that he is working. He is working. You may not see it. You may not fully understand it, but he is working for your presence and your eternal good. And he promises, he promises that he will be with you and will sustain you Until the day that your faith will be sight and you receive the imperishable inheritance and riches of an everlasting life with Christ. And so, until that day, I'm asking you, I'm imploring you that, like Habakkuk, like even Hudson Taylor in the opening story, live by faith and not by sight. And I realize that can feel like it's a cliche. But it's not. It's the call of Scripture. Believe even when you can't see, as you stand on the promises that the God who has been faithful in the past will also be faithful in the present and until the end of your days. Let's pray. Lord God, There's so many weighty, hard, maybe even unthinkable things that are happening in people's lives. People's lives in this room, people's lives in our communities, in our families, and around the globe. And as we live in a fallen world, it can be so hard so hard to feel like anything good is happening. It can be so hard to understand exactly how you're moving and how you're working. And yet I so thank you for the reminders this morning that, that you are a God who is working. That you are a God who hasn't failed us. there is something that you are doing in each of our lives and in each of our situations Lord even if we can't see it even if it feels like it's delaying even if it is far off you are doing something you are doing something for our good to just show us more of your goodness and your mercy to conform us more to the image of your son Jesus Christ so that we cannot only worship you Lord but also we can just taste and see that you are good. That we can experience the fullness of joy that Habakkuk is able to to pray about. And so I hope and ask that we will not lose heart. That we will look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith. That we will remember how you have been faithful to us in the past and yet that we will earnestly, vigorously, and passionately believe that you will continue to be faithful to us today, and yet into the future, knowing that we are a part of your cosmic plan, and that plan to bring your kingdom fully and wholly here to earth on that day that you return. Help us to believe that and to rest in those promises and to be a people that walk by faith and not by sight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.